You're listening to the Ghouls Gang podcast. Today, your host is me, Zoe. So, hello and welcome back to your exclusive member-only podcast or Patreon-only podcast. Just as a reminder, this is an exclusive to you only and we will be bringing you monthly themed podcasts with one of your hosts, either myself, Zoe, or Rebecca McCallum, and we will be joined by one of our amazing Ghouls contributors, or we might throw in a couple of special guests into the mix. So do make sure you are prepared for that. So before we get started with our film for today, I just wanted to remind you of a few amazing things that we have coming up at Ghouls Magazine. So we are still in March, which is Women in Horror Month. Um, We have a lot of content from our birthday event, which you can check out on YouTube um, and everything is uploaded on the site. As a reminder, every other Sunday, we have a clubhouse discussion going on. So if you're not on clubhouse then get yourself on clubhouse now because it is a great platform where we can essentially have live podcast discussions um, between ourselves at ghouls but also if you're on there and you're in the audience you can also join in on the discussion so just really nice we can get together hang out on a sunday um every other sunday 7 p.m gmt and yeah chat horror and it's hosted by the amazing ariel powers shawb so she does fantastic job with this and yeah just really fun stuff as always we've got lots of new articles up on the website so do go and check those out we've got some new writers that have joined the team recently and they have provided us with some awesome i mean outstanding editorials and reviews so do go and have a little read after you've had a little listen and then finally i wanted to let you know what we have coming up in april so april i can officially announce is going to be our vampires month so we're going to be covering lots of vampire films um, and themes which for me is super super exciting because i adore vampires um there's something very carnal lustrous about them and yeah i just love all the blood and all of the things that they come with so do pay attention to that because that is coming soon so enough of my nattering because i want to get into our discussion so today we're going to be discussing one of my favorite films ever and that is claire denise trouble every day i'm joined by amber who is contributor for ghouls magazine and runs the hornblood fire podcast which if you haven't listened to put it at the top of your to listen to list now Hello Amber, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Hi Zoe, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally get the chance to chat with you. Um, I'm doing well, thanks. Good day and I'm ready for the weekend. How about yourself? I am so ready for the weekend. It is ridiculous (laughs) and I'm so pleased that here in the UK it's finally sunny. Feels like spring a bit. (laughs) Yes, it was so, I mean, I was trapped in my office, like my work office, looking out the window, so couldn't enjoy the feeling of it, but I was like, yes, oh my god, it's finally here, very exciting. Yeah, I did have to take a, I was like, do you know what, I'm actually going to take a, a quick lunch break and get some vitamin oh, nice. D, because I miss, like, leaving the house when it's still <gasps> light, so... Yes. 
yeah that, that, that's a big help getting home when it's still light is like does wonders for the for the mental health to be honest it really does it really does <laughs> well another thing that does wonders for mental health is of course horror and today we have chosen to talk about trouble every day which i'm very very excited about um do you want to start if if you want by giving us a little bit of a synopsis of what the film is about yeah, sure. So Trouble Every Day is a French film directed by Claire Denis, um, who is of more recent fame, High Life. I haven't actually seen High Life yet, but I really want to. Um, but anyway, Trouble Every Day follows an American couple, Shane and June, who are on their way to Paris for their honeymoon. Um, but unbeknownst to June, Shane is also using the trip to find a doctor called Dr. Leo Simonon. Um, very sorry if I mispronounced any French names, by the way, um, uh, because he wants to find a cure for this mysterious infection that is never really expanded on in the film, but basically it causes sexual cannibalism. And Dr. Leo's wife, Corre, who it's kind of implied that Shane has a romantic or sexual past with her she has fully devolved into this disease and basically she has to be locked away to stop her from murdering and uh, graphically eating men um so yeah that's it's a great film it's lovely yeah it's not um it's not very pg is it but that <laughs> no. was a fantastic synopsis and uh just to let you know if if you like this which i'm guessing you ha- you do amber high yes. life watch it i really like okay. it bit weird I mean, but i think you'll like that as well i'm a big uh robert pattinson fan anyway Same. so i it's <laughs> it's been on my list for a while and i've heard it's very kind of gross and there's like some weird bodily fluids things in it and that is right up my alley because i love gross shit so that is yeah definitely on my list yeah, gross stuff and Robert Pattinson is like two of the check boxes. So yes. yeah, we really are the same person, but you know, more on that later. Um, so when we mentioned about this film, you said you hadn't seen it before today. Mm-hmm. So I need to know what, like, what had you heard before? And also like, what were your initial reactions Mm, yeah you're right I hadn't seen it before but I because they put all this new French extremity stuff on Shudder I was like right I really want to watch that um basically I so <laughs> my story is I was I when I was younger I was a huge fan of the band the Distillers um and I still am I really like Distillers but and for anyone who doesn't know their lead singer is called Brody Dahl and I read an interview with her once she was like well uh, Brody Dahl's not her real name she actually got the doll part of it from the French actress Beatrice Dahl, who is plays Corre in um, Trouble Every Day. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so when I was so obsessed with Brody Dahl, I was like, I want to know everything about this Beatrice woman. Looked her up, and I watched the first time I saw her was in Inside, um, mm. another amazing <laughs> French extremity film. And uh, to be honest, that I was kind of <laughs> maybe too young to watch that, but it kind of knocked <laughs> me for six. And I didn't watch Trouble Every Day for a while because I was like, I, I kind of need a breather. Um, but yeah, then I went back to thinking about Beatrice Dahl and I had heard the title of Trouble Every Day and I had seen that like iconic photo of Corée with like blood all over her mouth. Um, yeah. But that's all I really knew. I It wasn't actually until I saw like the description on Shudder that I, I got the gist that it was kind of about cannibalism. <laughs> 
And so, yeah, watched it for the first time this week and I absolutely loved it. Um, it was just fantastic. Um, so thank you so much for giving me the chance <laughs> to watch it and talk about it. Um, it was different to what I expected, to be yeah. honest. I kind of thought we were going in for like a more um like a kind of a martyrs type thing where it's like constant wall to wall never stop you know action fighting and gore and blood but it's not like that it's like it's slower it's like almost hypnotic and i did not expect that from it but i actually really really loved that about it to be honest yeah it is um i think i felt the same like the first time i watched it as well i think you know any of those films that are within the new french extremity they're almost put on a pedestal aren't they of being mm, like these yeah. nasty nihilistic like super gory gonna kind of like blow your face off with how disgusting they're gonna mm -hmm. get but this is to me I, it feels like a bit more of a kind of like higher brow of the yes. the more extreme films um and mm -hmm. like you said it is it is very slow and a lot of people have kind of criticized it for how slow it is and said that mm -hmm. it's well i've read a few reviews and it's been claimed as boring do you do you think it's boring because i feel like there's so much in there that mm -hmm. like to unpack with it Yes, I agree. I think if you go into it expecting, like like you said, the, people get this when they hear new French extremity, I think they they feel it's going to be all people skinned alive in entirely <laughs> for like two hours, so, which is great fun. But if you expect that from Trouble Every Day, then yeah, you might be bored. But there, like you said, there is so much to it in the in the smaller details. Like, for example, the sound design um, mm. is just mind-blowingly gorgeous and horrible at the same time it's like every every tiny sound is like amped up so like mouth sounds footsteps um just like even like rustling of clothes smaller details like that which when you combine the fact that it doesn't have that much gore in it um it's definitely much more of a thoughtful experience um but then again, I realise I'm saying that much gore and I'm talking to you and I know for a fact you and I have both seen like way more gory and stuff. But to like a quote unquote like horror normie, then it's pretty gory. Yeah, it's um, it's always like having that kind of like normal level of judgment isn't it like you said me yes. and you like like to watch you know two hours of people being skinned alive that's like oh what shall i pop on tonight for relaxation <laughs> bit of martyrs like so i guess maybe our our views on on what constitutes as like levels of gore might yeah. be a bit fucked up if i'm honest but yeah. <laughs> But I, th I think you're right, like, I think it's not, you know, like, I know a lot of people that, like you said, you know, kind of like the the more normal side of, of horror films, you know, your ghosts, etc. And for mm -hmm. they, they've watched things like Martyrs, which I think Martyrs is far more extreme in terms mm -hmm. of what you actually see on screen versus Trouble Every Day. So I guess if you were to kind of put on that level, then it doesn't have as much gore but i think yes. in a way like what you were saying about the sound design i think in a way the subtleness of it combined with the noise almost makes it worse than seeing yeah. it yeah yeah for sure definitely i mean there's like 
Yeah, there's so much detail in like the sounds, the screams of Corey's victims and Shane's victims, as we'll get to later. But it, it's it's graphic, but it's it's never like so over the top that you stop believing it. And like I love martyrs to bits, but I I can never see martyrs as realistic. I mean, obviously the beating part is really horrible and realistic, but the skindle part, I just which I love, but it doesn't get to me in the same way as like a more realistic presentation of gore but then again my uh perception of what is realistic gore is probably skewed at this point to be honest (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i think anyone that is listening to this probably shouldn't take our our viewpoints on on gore maybe you know ask someone (laughs) um ask one of the other girls someone like rebecca who has a much more normal (laughs) level of what's acceptable to watch um and base it off that so as you were mentioning like there's a lot that happens in this film um i think it's really interesting like the setup that we get um the fact that shane and his wife are essentially on their honeymoon and the fact that he is on i like to call it like his side quest to find this (laughs) woman whilst they're on their honeymoon what do you think about kind of like the setup in terms of the plot and also um their particular relationship because i would say for a couple that just got married it's not great no it's really not it's really i mean (laughs) basically like the first time we really meet them is on the plane and Mm. you know within five minutes or so shane is has locked himself in the bathroom and is fantasizing about her covered in blood um so yeah they're not off to a good start they've obviously got some sexual problems as we see later like shane can't orgasm unless he's basically thinking about killing someone or Mm. or killing someone like the act of murdering them um but yeah this setup for it i think what i love about this film is it is nothing is given to us nothing is handed to us i mean even if you watch it on a first watch you might even miss the infection the infection side of it because claire denis never explicitly says like this is the infection it does this and this is how you cure it yeah. um all of that is kind of left up to us to piece together um and i really like that about it is because that gives it a kind of vagueness is the wrong word but i'm going to use the word vagueness it has almost like a a dreamy hypnotic feel to it where everything is kind of like fuzzy around the edges and you're like oh is that really oh like like you're not really sure what's happening a lot of the time yeah i feel like uh yeah it definitely feels quite like dreamlike in the way that it's presented and i think you know in terms of like the infection side of it i guess it's almost like claire denis treats the audience like we're quite intelligent um mm-hmm. i guess going back to that almost like feels like a bit more of a highbrow art house type mm-hmm. film compared to a lot of the others that probably get categorized alongside it she doesn't she doesn't hand anything to us on a plate which like you said you know i really like that i like watching a film and going oh okay piecing it together whereas i feel yeah. like mm-hmm if she had especially with a film of this type if she had given uh the re the viewers it on a plate it would have felt like i don't know i think it could have felt like a very very different film if it didn't have that kind of air to it yes absolutely i also think as well you could i mean you could probably entirely lose the infection storyline and Mm. the film would still make just as much sense i mean you could just use instead of 
a literal infection. It could be more of a metaphor for like sexual violence and, you know, animalistic nature of human beings. So yeah, you could definitely do that and it would still work. Yeah. And I think, you know, that the element there that you, you touched upon about kind of like sexual violence um, and also, you know, going back to Shane who can't have an orgasm unless he's thinking about violence and, and blood. It's a, it's quite an interesting concept because it's almost, it's not presented in a violent fashion in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we kind of watch as Shane is, he's almost, you know, trying to battle all of those urges that he comes a- across and finds himself in. And obviously we see that uh, Cora is, is it's the same for her on the flip side. She's obviously locked away um, in her wonderfully huge mansion um, yeah, by, her, by her doctor husband who is... I guess he's kind of helping her, you know, fulfill her needs, but also trying to stop her from Mm. just running wild with her desires. I guess the whole film is kind of like based on, as you said, like that animalistic carnal desire for flesh, but just maybe a little bit more exacerbated. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it when there are a couple of scenes, one where Kore is like feasting on this guy who breaks in and um, there's a lot of, you know, close-ups of hands running and bodies. And then a couple of scenes later, Shane and June have sex and it's the same, the same close-ups, the same grabbing of flesh, the same, you know, there's the line between sex and violence is very thin. It, it almost reminded me of um, the not the film, the book of American Psycho, um, where the further you get in the book, the more graphic the sex and murder scenes become until the point where you're like, I don't know if he's, you know, shagging this woman or killing her at this yeah. point. <laughs> they just, they just like become one. They just, yeah, in this gross amalgamation of, like you said, flesh and the desire for it. Yeah, it. Do you know what it does? It does really actually become quite look like American Psycho. Um, and there's another book called Exquisite Corpse by Poppy Z. Bright, which again does something very similar to American Psycho, and as you Ooh. said, blurs those lines between where does the line between you know kind of sex and violence mm-hmm. end? And I think you know even in like a, a normal setting it can go quite far you know like you you think of people they they do almost become very animalistic you know when we talk about kind of like sexual attraction it is almost in a like very primitive um intrusic way that we're not really thinking about which you know maybe deep down we're all just waiting to be cannibals (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah maybe i mean that's it's a i think what i like about this film is that it it shows you that it's really not that hard to step over the line from, like you said, very animalistic, feral sexuality into violence. I mean, hopefully consensual violence, which is not the case in this movie. But um, yeah, there's a very thin, blurred line between the two, the more animalistic you get with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a lot throughout this film to be said about... I think the sexuality of of both genders um I really feel like both of the couples kind of they're almost 
I guess in a way mirroring each other but also reversals mm. of each other um mm-hmm. you know I find that Shane and Leo are very opposite kind of characters from one another and obviously Cora and I can't remember the wife's name uh June are mm. quite different in their behaviors as well do you think that Claire Denny was like do you think she's purposefully trying to make a point about relationships and power and also like men and women's sexuality or do you think it was kind of like a second coming that just comes out of the film as a viewer i think okay so when i first watched the film yeah my first reaction was like okay this is a film about how how and i'm gonna say the word men but obviously hashtag not all men (laughs) how men cannot distinguish between sex and violence but then when i thought about it i was like well corey does the same thing um she also can't distinguish between sex and violence so i think there are gendered parts of it um like for example shane kills corey corey doesn't get to live but shane does like if shane is so worried about becoming this violent sexual monster like why doesn't he kill himself he kills Mm. corey so the woman still is punished for her carnal desires in this film where the man gets to presumably live his happy fantasies with june yeah and um another thing i I felt really interested about with this film was like the madonna whore complex of june and corey because like you said they're the two couples are like mirroring but so differently yeah june is this like very soft-spoken giggly um even the way that Shane talks to her, you know, he's always like whispering and like kissing her very gently. And yeah. he, he takes those murderous feelings away from her because to him, she's too pure to like be ruined. But Corey is like the animalistic beast. She doesn't really talk much. She mostly makes noises like groans and grunts and she's very sexualized um, in her beings and mannerisms. So it's, yeah, it, it very much said, it screamed Madonna whore to me, basically. And I think that was pretty intentional on Claire Denis' part, to be honest. Yeah, it does um, actually scream that. And I think, you know, I guess it almost says something about kind of like how society expects certain women to act in a way. And also, mm-hmm. I guess if you're the the married person or the wife let's say versus you know kind of what could be the the bit on the side excuse the slight meat pun there um (laughs) but you know that's what we always see in films isn't it is that you know the the wife is kind of the good uh good housewife that is Mm. not into sex you know it's throughout you know i think media history we see all the husbands cheating because the wife is you know too good too prim and proper to be sleeping with her husband so of course he's Mm. going elsewhere he's thinking of you know things like the past and in this case you know he is thinking of cora who is you know that as you said animalistic kind of whore uh type character that they've put in there which i think Mm -hmm. you know to an extent is i feel like throughout the film i constantly feel bad for june i'm like poor little thing is away with her new (laughs) husband and he's like oh i just want to go off and and fuck the woman that's gonna like bite my skin off i mean it's quite brutal in its portrayal of women but it doesn't come across like i didn't find it offensive no i didn't either and um i don't know if that's in part because it does have a female director and mm. i'm i'm in 
inclined to see difficult to phrase i'm inclined to see violence against women as less difficult to process when it comes from a woman if that makes sense um but yeah i i felt terrible for june and i felt terrible for dr leo as well like (laughs) they're really like these two characters who both of them are married to well uh june doesn't really know she knows something's up she knows that he can't orgasm unless he's locking himself in the bathroom don't know if she knows that he's thinking about killing her um but yeah yeah like poor dr leo he obviously loves Cora very much and is just trying to keep this all under control um and shane is i hate shane i mean fuck vincent gallo anyway uh, but i hate shane so much <laughs> He's... and maybe i shouldn't maybe it's maybe it's because i know about vincent gallo as a and i will never judge you know an, an artist for their art um but it's hard not to with like yeah. someone like Vincent Gallo because he's just not a very nice person. And I think in a way, I mean, it's it's a bit of a sick way, but, you know, in a way, I think that kind of, like, the knowledge of him as, as a person outside of, you know, this role in particular, like, n- having that knowledge does make you hate Shane even more. And I, th- I don't mm-hmm. think we're supposed to like shame because it's kind of like when i look at cora in this film like she's she's not she's not a great person because you know um she's eating all the neighborhood boys but she's (laughs) also portrayed as completely like overwhelmed overcome and afflicted by the disease like it is eating her from the inside out Mm. essentially and there's nothing she can do she almost doesn't really come across as a human anymore she kind of comes across Mm -hmm. as just this like you know mad entity which leo is is almost you know locking up almost like a zombie in a sense doesn't have Mm. a consciousness whereas shane that fucking guy he knows what he's doing all the time like you said he's his poor wife's crying outside the door and he's just jerking off in the bathroom i think uh and it's also, he starts to get, um, who is it in it? it? It's the maid, isn't it? The hotel they're staying that becomes yeah, his mm-hmm. other obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also when, I mean, there's not, Corey doesn't show a lot of feeling, to be honest, but she does have that moment after she's killed someone where she says to Dr. Leo, says, I want, I want to die. Um, mm. So she does it's implied that she kind of feels remorse where Shane violently rapes and kills the hotel maid and just like drags her body off and then just goes back to his wife like and we don't really see any remorse from him um it's more just like for him it's like a means to an end it's like right I've done that now I've got that out of my system now I can go and be a normal husband um for how long who knows I mean we don't know how what happens after the film ends he probably kills june to be honest but yeah i i i just can't gel with shane he's very creepy and honestly when he when he buys that puppy as well i'm like i was just so on edge i was like what what is he gonna do with that puppy (laughs) like and i feel like that's not a normal reaction you should have when you see someone buy a puppy like i was immediately on edge when i saw him pick it up yeah, he is he is like poster boy for just being like douchebag one oh one, basically. Mm-hmm. And and I think and again, like 
kind of going back to the point that it's you know directed by a, a woman and obviously does talk about you know violence sexualized violence it's very interesting that whilst Shane and Cora are both afflicted by the same disease like you said you know she clearly does at times even through the moments when she is like almost you know almost just an animal still has a slight like morality about her mm. to the fact that she she clearly doesn't want to be doing what she is doing and i think if she were like shane's character i don't think leo would just you know be still looking after and trying to get her through this um mm. so i think that is like such an important part of the film is kind of showing that yes they're affected by the exact same disease they have the exact same desire to eat flesh you know to bite whatever they want to do but shane's approach to it is f way more selfish and just yeah. like yeah like you said i'm going to take the poor maid and do what i want with her like oh, mm -hmm. shane hate him yeah <laughs> fuck shane um yeah there's that there's like the gender dynamic as well, like like you said, they, they have the same disease, they do the same thing, but Corey ends up locked in a tower. You know, it's very classic fairy tale. She's locked away. She's the, the beast in the tower or the princess in the tower. And when we look at it flipped on June and Shane, June would never be able to lock Shane away. He would overpower her and kill her. And yeah. that to me is just another little extra gender focused part that makes their situations different is their relationships with their partners as well june would never ever be able to live with shane the way that dr leo lives with corey yeah no absolutely not and you know we someone needs to save poor june um no i know <laughs> Just touching on some of the the more, because I think, you know, whilst this film, I think, is very complex in its portrayal of, you know, um, sexualization and sexuality, I think what a lot of people probably want to know about about the film is is those scenes of violence of gore because i think obviously that's the reason that it's it's pushed into the the new french extremity and it does sit alongside a film like martyrs so for you how like what were kind of the standout gore scenes for you and what did you think about them so I guess the most famous gore scene is um, when these two young men break into Corey's and Dr. Leo's house and Corey is locked up um, behind these wooden panels and she's seducing one of the boys and it's very much like monster in a cage. You can only see her teeth and her vagina at one point. Um, mm. So it's very much, you know, like she's disembodied. There's there's not a whole lot of personalization there. He, the man is just seeing the, the parts of this sexual figure. Um, so he breaks her out, they start to have sex and then Corey rips his, his um, throat out first of all and then bites his mouth and his tongue out and what stood out to me about this scene more than the gore because like we've said i've seen and you too the gore queen that you are i know that we've seen like way gorier stuff than this but yeah. what got to me was beatrice style's performance in the screen in this scene she is um completely unhinged and she goes from like you can see what you can see of her face she's like grinning she's giggling and then she and then she gets very sad and then she starts hitting his face like slapping him almost like 
I don't know. It's it's like a frustration. It's like a why why aren't you stopping me? Why aren't you stopping me? Um, and the noises she makes, it's just so beyond human. And the noises he makes as well, like her victim, the screams that this guy is making are just horrible. And then after she does that, we get this amazing scene of her just stood in the room with like his viscera all over the walls, just like splattered. Um, yeah. And then and it's like a, she's drawn like a crucifix or like a cross on the wall. And that made me really sad because I thought, oh, is she like, is she praying? Is she trying to like take a religious tone with this? So that was a scene that really got to me gore wise. And then a scene that was not gory, but did get to me is when at the beginning, when Shane is kissing June's wrist and the sound design of that is very very focused on his mouth sounds and i know a lot of people don't like mouth sounds anyway. <laughs> um but it's a very soft and sensual kissing that he does all along her wrist you can tell that he is on like having to control every fiber of his being from ripping her wrists apart yeah and oh it just it just really got to me it sent shivers down my spine because it's so intimate the violence in this film is so intimate in intimate is is the word for it you're, you're absolutely right i think it's it, it's again that element of almost like these kind of like everyday acts that you know as people when we've been in romantic relationships with someone like the thought of someone kissing your wrist is you know naturally like quite a nice thought you you know i'm sure many of us mm -hmm. have had like someone kiss our wrist or kiss our neck our cheek you know these kind of like you said intimate places that naturally are like erogenous zones as well so they make mm. us feel good and exactly like you said the fact that Shane is, you know, so close to the veins in her wrist Ugh. and you can just imagine the thoughts running through his head of like the blood. It does really make you feel like very uncomfortable because it's mm -hmm. almost like, you know, and again with Cora and like you said, you know, that that moment where she's kind of laughing and she is, you know, she starts quite tenderly and gets more aggressive and aggressive and it's mm. like you know any of us could be in that situation where you're with someone and they kiss you tenderly and the next minute you know they bite you yeah. know it, it it's almost like that trust isn't it that you have with yes. someone that they wouldn't do that and then bam next thing you know mm. carnage yeah, we're all just vulnerable, soft, fleshy bags at the end of the day. And if someone wanted to rip your fleshy bag apart, then they could. Um, but yeah, it's very, you know, the wrist is a very vulnerable place. And June does trust Shane enough, but I, I just, like you said, we know what's going through his head and ugh, ugh, just creeps me out so much. I think um, now you've described me as a fleshy bag, I'm going to like go and tape, duct tape my entire <laughs> being so no one can just <laughs> rip open <Sorry>. my fleshy <laughs> bag. <laughs> I have a way with words. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like You've got to write that Sorry. somewhere. It needs to go on a poster for something. <laughs> telling you um but yeah those are i think you know that that scene with cora that's obviously kind of one of the the key moments in the film which i think you know 
everyone is, as you said, you know, before even watching the film, very used to seeing uh, Beatrice mm. Dahl with blood around her mouth. You know, it seems to be a bit of a, a symbol, especially she looks very similar um, in inside as well. So oh, clearly yeah. she has a lot of fun when she is filming these films. Um, yeah. I think the other kind of scene that, of course, is is one of the most prevalent scenes in here and has been spoken about is the rape scene with the maid um, mm. and the fact that, obviously, during the rape, he, he goes down on her and, I mean, goes down, it makes it sound nice. It's obviously not quite like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really see too much here, but we it's implied exactly what happens which is that he bites you know her vagina and i think again it goes back to that element of the trust we put in an intimate partner and the fact Mm -hmm. that it is again once we like we said at the beginning the blurring of those lines between sex and violence and Mm -hmm. just how we're almost constantly when we're having sex like a very thin line between oh yeah getting our labia completely munched <laughs> off which is awesome <laughs> well that's me celibate for the rest of my life yeah same <laughs> no but it's yeah it's it's like also like at the beginning of that scene the maid she kind of um is she seems like she's into it at first like she yeah. in her mind this is just like a, a locker room you know vincent gallo for being a shithead is a good looking guy and you know she's in her bra she probably thinks it's just like oh this is like a locker room fantasy type thing and yeah she puts her trust in him starts a sexual encounter which very quickly goes wrong and by this point she's too vulnerable to get away and that is just absolutely terrifying and a very real horrific thing that happens to women every day around the world and it's disgusting yeah yeah and it you know it does really kind of expose how um i think i think it's quite you know sensitively and delicately portrayed on screen that particular mm-hmm. scene like you said you know it it can be very triggering and upsetting for people but i think it does show the reality of situations that can go from yes this is something i want very quickly to this is not something that i signed up for which i think mm-hmm. is really difficult to portray on screen because i i don't think it's something that's very easy to put into you know this is how it kind of happens mm-hmm. um the last i'd say the last kind of scene that um i want to touch on but before we wrap things up is is just cora's death at the hands of shane what were mm. your thoughts on that because i i think for me that's probably one of the points where that i didn't love in the film yes it's it's a very upsetting scene um first of all when i saw it i was like because i had seen inside and i know that how mm. beatrice darled me you know she gets lit on fire in that too <laughs> so i was like oh can beatrice i just catch a break um, <laughs> but yeah it's a very upsetting scene especially is because when shane walks in um corey is so happy to see him and she's still in this weird childish giddy mood and she's like giggling and she she grabs his hand and like puts it on her head and she's just trying to like fuse them together um and it's a very it's very sweet moment um and then he goes in with a a, it's a very 
a very gendered act of violence as well and i can yeah. imagine that it's very upsetting for a lot of people to watch um uh, myself included i really like you said i really didn't like this moment and i think you know i would have liked to see corey rip him to shreds obviously but yes. yeah i don't know i i think corey's death was necessary but i don't know if it needed to go the way it goes to be honest yeah i i felt the same i felt like you you know it was it is it's a distressing scene and i'm i'm sure you know claire Denis designed it to be as distressing as that i think um i guess in a way it kind of portrays the reality of it that you know unfortunately most of the time when we look at sexual violence you know at the hands of men it is it's the women are the victims the women suffer the women are the ones that die it's not necessarily you know the other way around so i feel like in a way it does you know kind of take that element of reality but like you i I don't know. I, I there was something about it where I just felt like it was almost too too much, a little bit too heartbreaking. And then yeah. you know when Leo comes home as well, I was like, why did this have to happen? Like that's just mm. it's just Thing not I, fair. Poor so poor thing. Well, I, it's not. Yeah. So it's um. I think sorry carry on no go ahead <laughs> oh i was just gonna say like it, it's one of trouble every day is you know new french extremity or whatever you want to call trouble every day it is part of this series of films that is so goddamn depressing <laughs> um you know martyrs is horrible inside is horrible i stand alone by gaspar noe is genuinely one of i need to take like a xanax after i watch that film um these films are just so good at upsetting the shit out of you yeah they are they are films that make you meet oh, do you know what you just remind me about i stand alone i watched oh. that for the first time not that long ago and yeah i then re-watched climax and i was like everything's just horrible um <laughs> i mean i i personally love films that are just depressing and bleak as shit as i can tell you do as well but yeah they do kind of make you go oh i think last time i did that i put monsters inc on afterwards because you've got to you've got to have that palate cleanser of just you know for me it's like a cheesy shitty 80s slasher where everyone dies but it's like a happy way (laughs) (laughs) so i guess you know kind of um coming to the end now would you like what would you kind of say your closing thoughts about trouble every day and would you recommend it as a film to people because it's it's a particular taste yes i would recommend it but not to everyone i would say if you are new to horror no do not (laughs) if you are new to new french extremity maybe maybe start off with this one i guess because the gore is a little bit um Mm. lesser than the other ones but whoever's watching this film just proceed with caution it is a very upsetting film it contains you know even for horror it which is you know a space where we are used to seeing horrible things the realism in this film especially with the sexual violence is i'm sure very upsetting very triggering to some people so i would recommend it but i would not recommend going in blind if you are sensitive to those kind of things um and Whoever does watch it, just know that you're going to be sad and put Monsters Inc. on afterwards. Just get Monsters Inc. ready to watch afterwards. Um, But yeah, definitely check it out if you like the bleak, if you like the gory, if you like the sad, because it's a fantastic 
art house piece of cinema and I, I just don't think I've seen it talked about enough especially in, as you know we're recording this in you know a uh, women of horror month and I've seen you know amazing films directed by women like Jennifer's Body St. Maud etc etc this one doesn't get talked about and I'm wondering if it's because of the triggering subject matter but I I would love to see it get a bit more a bit more love out there well, I guess we need to keep championing this first yes. then. Um, yeah, I guess it's probably a bit of a, a tougher one to, to watch than something like Jennifer's Body. But, you oh, know, there's there's fire in St Maud and there's fire in this. So, you know, good double bill there, I think. Yeah, could yeah, it could work. A very depressing and sad double bill. Yeah, it, that seems to be like our, our clearly our vibe at the moment, doesn't it? It's just like, what's, what's going to make me feel shit? Let's do that. Yes. definitely (laughs) well thank you for talking about trouble every day because yeah not many people um ever really want to sit down and watch this one so i'm glad you liked it as well so i before you go i would like to find out a bit about what you've got coming up what you've been working on because um i see you busy away at lots of different things um and i want to make sure that everyone can go and find you and follow you and find out about all the stuff you have coming up so over to you so everyone if you're not already uh follow me on instagram at hornblood fire check out the podcast um next episode should be out by the time we release this um we've got some great episodes coming up we've got house of thousand corpses coming up we've got the lighthouse we've got hereditary i'm very excited to get these episodes out um so subscribe to my newsletter which you can do by going um hornbloodfire.com slash newsletter and have a giveaway coming up which i'm going to draw the name on my birthday which is march 30th so if you want to enter you can be in with a chance of winning a copy of house of psychotic women um a blu-ray copy of dark water and some hornblood fire stickers and some dalgona candy from korea and it is actually from korea because i bought it back in my suitcase um so yeah and also check out my work for ghouls magazine and zoe i have i owe everything to you basically so thank you so much for giving me a chance to write for ghouls magazine because it's just the most fun thing um and yeah everyone go and read my stuff and all the other amazing stuff on ghouls and yeah i think i think that's my list (laughs) just a short list then (laughs) you the only thing you owe me is one of those uh sweets because they sound delicious so oh yeah well they're they're the ones from squid game um the honeycomb candies yeah i don't know how well they're gonna travel they will probably crumble and crush so whoever wins i'm sorry in advance well at least you know it means no one has to play that horrendous game from squid (laughs) game right because it's already (laughs) over um but yes do make sure you go and sign up to Amber's newsletter because I'm signed up and I love, I mean, I love newsletters. Um, but it's a fantastic <laughs> newsletter. Lots of amazing stuff in there. Listen to the podcast, read, follow, do everything. Amber, <laughs> I think you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today and I will speak to you soon. Thank you for having me. Speak soon. A huge, huge thank you to Amber for being part of the discussion today about trouble every day. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Ghouls Gang podcast. Don't forget to shout about it on social media if you loved it. Also, head over to ghoulsmagazine.com for more spooky content. Your support means the world to us, so thank you for helping to keep us alive. I've been your host, Zoe. 
keep it ghoulish.